It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say Welcome to the Kick to Kick podcast. It's Tim and Charlie here with a special episode. Yes, Timmy, we are not introducing the season 1987. What are we introducing? Uh, we're going to go through the two new teams. So this is our Brisbane Bears special. Yes. It's been a while since we did a team special. It is. It's been 1925. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is years ago for yeah, us now. Yeah, yeah, it was what, what, like 2019, I guess. Could have been. Yeah. Have we had that been, conversation? Yeah. My God. Yeah. Um, almost 100 years ago in, in real time. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so we have a inv- an interview set up. Yes. Uh, with Brendan, who is the curator of the Brisbane Lions Museum. Fitz- Fitzroy Lions, Brisbane Bears, Brisbane Lions Museum at Marvel Stadium. Yes, which yeah. is a fantastic facility. And we'll talk, you'll hear us talk a bit about that in the interview. Um, but it's a fantastic place. So Brendan Campbell was lucky enough to give us some of his time and we had a chat to him about the Brisbane Bears. We were lucky enough to get some of his time. He wasn't lucky enough to give us his time. (laughs) (laughs) No, and it was fantastic to talk to him. Um, His his passion for all the clubs comes through in in, in the way he talks about them. Um, And he did live in Queensland as well, so he does have his foot in the uh, the Brisbane Bears door as well. Yeah, at the time of, you know, the merger, merger, just after they'd they'd started. So, yeah, Yeah. really interesting. Going back through, you know, probably the, 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 um, the timeline started in 84, so a couple of years ago from, from where we're sitting in at the end of 86, start of 87, yep. um, going through that and then into their inaugural year in the league. And it does, it does put into perspective just how much they had to get through and put up with to become the team they, current, they are now. Yep. So, yeah, it was, it was a great chat and, and lots of interesting insights for, from the man too. So yep. looking forward to talking about the Brisbane Bears for a few years. The Brizzy Bears. Yeah. All right, so here's the chat. We'll, we'll come back and chat to you as we wrap things up. Enjoy. Hey, Brendan. Sorry, I'm Charlie. Lovely to meet you. You too, Charlie. Thanks for the opportunity to speak to you today. And no, no well. thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, we feel uh, right. Br- Br- Brisbane Bears are often the team that gets overlooked and kind of missed, so we're very excited to talk to you about that. Yeah, not a problem. And Brendan, so your official role, you're the you're the Fitzroy historian, aren't you? Yeah, national historian and custodian memorabilia and curator of our museum at the Fitzroy Brisbane Lions Historical Society at Marvel Stadium. So we've got a what I think a million dollar museum at Marvel Stadium yeah. uh, in one of the high levels. So yeah, so, which oh, is fantastic. So you took over from Arthur Wilson, then then did you? Yeah, well, I've been with Arthur since nineteen ninety seven till the oh. Bears began. The Lions, Fitzroy became Brisbane there. So we've been holding functions since 97 and the museum opened up in uh, 2011. Fantastic, oh, yeah. I've met Arthur Wilson once at the museum and had a chat to him and I've seen the facilities. It's so good. Yeah, we've really updated probably since the last time you've seen it there. So we've okay. just got massive amount of stuff in there and it's all changing as we speak there but it's funny once we get in the podcast there um paul cronin i've got to know his daughter in the last six to eight months so she's given us 
some fantastic Brisbane Bears memorabilia, which we've oh. now got in our um, Marvel Stadium uh, museum there. I can only imagine there'd be such a treasure trove, treasure trove that's just still out there in people's houses and stuff that you'd be trying to sort of get your hands on over time. People would be, you know, passing away and, and, and like, stuff would be coming up and, like, oh, would you be interested in that? Yeah. Yeah, look, my approach is I'm a very personal. I'd rather speak to somebody personally. So I've got to have my people skills right to convince people that, that I'm honest and we want to show showcase the Brisbane Lairs, Brisbane Bears and Brisbane Lions memorabilia they've they've got in our museum. So it's yeah. um, you know, we just love to hear the people. I travel all around Victoria twelve months of the year to pick up memorabilia, put stuff on loan that people donated as well. So yeah. Yeah. Is there a similar is there a similar setup in um Brisbane with do they have their a museum or is well, a curator of history up there as well? Yeah, we did send some of our stuff up there about ooh, a pre-season game before the Geelong game. Uh, yeah, they've got a, a cabinet when you walk in the door at Springfield in their cafe area. So we've sent them a lot of really good Brisbane Bears, Fitzroy and Brisbane Lions memorabilia that they've got nice. in a, a cabinet up there. So we try to look after them as well. Oh, fantastic. I think it's so important, like... Obviously, those links are so strong in Victoria and there's a lot of Fitzroy supporters who are still, you know, now Brisbane supporters, but maybe there's those new people in Queensland who who don't have that same connection to the history. So being able to build that in is such an important role that you've got running there. Yeah, look, we've got Brisbane Bears original jumpers from 87. We've got Fitzroy Premiership Cumbert and Fitzroy Cap from 1899. So we've... Sure. Try to give Brisbane a cross-section of stuff there that people can walk in, you know, even if they're not Brizzy Lions supporters or Bears supporters or Fitzroy and look, oh, geez, those colours look good. Yeah. You know, geez, some of them put a lot of effort into that. Then maybe we'll get new supporters in the future. So it's really just my role here. Yeah. I do it selflessly. It costs me money to do it. I don't ask the club for any money. I do it all at love of my – kind of love of the jumper, love of the club there. So I just – just do it because I love it. And yeah. even if they did pay me to do it, I never take a cent off them because that means I'm a paid staff member. I'd rather be a, a dinky die kind of um, <laughs> yeah. person that just does this for nothing. Yeah. It's Good not, on me, you. not me putting a big halo on my head. The only reason why I do it is because I want 80-year-old people to walk in, mainly ladies, and when they see a museum, they hug you at the end and they go, oh, if I die tomorrow, I'm going to die happy. <laughs> that's the only reason why I do it. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah. And you would have said you would have just seen some incredible stuff and had been able to get your hands on some amazing stuff over the time as well. Yeah, look, we've got jumpers going back to eighteen ninety eight, nineteen oh six. We've got a, you know, the who's who of memorabilia we have got yeah. in our museum. We're missing quite a bit of stuff, but of course, stuff's coming in all the time. We've got stuff yeah. for another museum, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. We just haven't got the room. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Fantastic. Well, let's get into some of these questions we have about Brisbane. So can you tell us why was Brisbane chosen for, as an expansion team in, uh, I guess, 1986? Well, I'll go right back to the start. Non-name drop, Paul Cronin. Now, he's an important person. The people, the Brisbane Lions, Brisbane Bears, Troy, wouldn't understand how important that guy is because he was lobbying the Queensland government going back to 1984 for the right reasons, 
for wanting to start up a football team, AFL or VFL, as what back down in 1984 in Brisbane. So he was a major driver of it. Um, in 1984, he lobbied the Bjocky government and all that sort of stuff there as well. And, um, you know, Rugby League and Rugby Union Heartland is just a really, really big ask. But I guess we as Brisbane Lions people have got to be thankful Paul Cronin was like a dog without a bone. He just kept on kept on ramming it into Queensland. So we need a VFL side because the VFL couldn't support 11 clubs with yeah. Sydney going, South Melbourne going to Sydney in 82. It just needed a national competition. And you look at guys like Alan Aylett and all those sort of guys in the past that really wanted the VFL to be a national competition. Bruce, uh, Michael, oh, sorry, Michael Cronin, um, uh, Paul Cronin was that man for Queensland. Without him, there's no Brisbane Lions, if you ask me. Yeah, okay. And, and he, of course, from the Sullivan's fame, he was a he was an actor, wasn't he? Yep. Was he yeah, from he Queensland or he moved? Was he from Queensland? Well, he, well, he's from Melbourne, but many people don't know he was a very, very, very good gymnast back in the 1950s and 60s. So people wouldn't know that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, obviously, your Mitre Tenage, your Dave Sullivan, your Matlock Police and your Solo One, just the perfect person to, to drive the uh, uh, VFL push into Queensland was Paul Cronin, definitely. Yeah, he had the face and the, and the recognition for it. Yeah, oh, brilliant. And I think that'll come in the later questions. He was genuine. He really wasn't – his sole purpose was Queensland, but he just wanted Queensland to be a part of the VFL back 1984. And, you know, 1987, the year that you're doing right now, it's probably the most important year in, in AFL history or VFL history because the Bears and the Eagles joined that year. And, um, yeah, it's just really a fantastic time. And do you think – so 84, when he started the process, that was the same year that um, Queensland and New South Wales combined to create the – change from the NSWRL to the NRL, wasn't it? So Correct. Do you think, do you think there was a little bit of – of that in his thinking too, of being like, okay, that that's now becoming a national league. Let's get in early and try and, you know, get into the VFL while it's not, you know, in the sort yeah. of infancy of a national league. Most definitely. I think Paul Cronin being a Melbourneian, an expat Melbourneian um, with his business interest in, in Queensland, definitely he, he wanted the game to flourish in, in Queensland more than anyone else and more, probably discuss a little bit later, if you like, the, the people that um, wanted to put up their hands up to be the consortium to start up the Brisbane Bears in 87. But you're right there. He His interests were genuine. Yeah. And as I said, he was like a dog without a bone. He didn't want to <laughs> let it go. So definitely. And, and, you know, people see the Brisbane Lions now. They're going through a really, really good uh, process at the moment with Chris Fagan and all those triple premiership years. But, Really, you've got to go back to the start. And and that's where it all happened in 84 and 87 when it came into fruition. So that's really, really, you've got to pay homage to people like Paul Cronin and, and guys that come into the Bears like Roger Merritt because yeah. without Merritt and without Cronin, you don't have the Brisbane Lions because I believe they would have folded before then and they did yeah. many times almost. And, and I mean, it, it's all, it also, as you said, is a massive credit to him because it would have been far easier for the VFL at the time to move one of the existing clubs. There were so many of them who were, you know, almost in administration. There was so many talk about 
the VFL shifting someone up there. It would have been far easier for them to do that. Um, and yeah, obviously push, pushed pushed for that to happen. How how do you think they he got that over the line rather than them moving it? Like surely that would have been an easier thing to do. His his thoughts were genuine. I think yeah. obviously my Fitzroy Football Club virtually signed the deal to go to Brisbane in nineteen eighty seven. You had Alan Bond who would you know, famous Alan Bond there, yeah. I forget, uh, when he got to court with um with his company there. He wanted Brisbane to uh Richmond to play half their games in uh, Brisbane yeah. there as well. So I yeah. guess when you look at that, and Kevin Bart was a, a key person there in talking Bond out of doing that. So, yeah. And you've also got overtures for North Melbourne were happening at the time there. And you're right, it would have been far easier to move like South Melbourne to the Sydney Swans in 1982. Yeah. It would have been far easier to say, okay, Fitzroy, you're going up. Richmond, you're going up. You only play half your games. But... It's a blank canvas when you started up there. It's a Queensland Queensland club, even though the clubs only gave three of their I wouldn't say their worst players, but they gave three of the lower list players as a you know, as a start up to the Brisbane Bears there. But I think Cronin's was genuine, whereas all the other consortiums there were maybe and correct me if I'm wrong, they're only maybe interested in having it in their back pocket as I own this or I own that. Yeah. But Cronin three or four years, just dogged determination, wanted the Queensland to have its own side. And you're wrong. It, it feels like, and, you know, a same, same thing, I'm not 100% sure, but for, for a lot of people, it would have purely been a financial decision. You know, if that was to move, it was that would only be moving because the VFL were going to give them money or have whatever it was. So, or an ego thing, but, right? Where, yeah. That's correct, Dan. Look, you know, Sydney's been, you know, South Melbourne been Sydney since 1982, but, you know, they had really, really humble beginnings at Sydney in, in you know, 82 onwards when they yeah. eventually became a powerhouse. But, geez, I'll tell you what, I'd say Brisbane would be a lot worse than that because the conditions of Corot were far in, inferior to the SCG. So, yeah, yeah, it's a, a remarkable thing to get it up and running in 87 because really... It all came together in about three or four months when Cronin got that go ahead. So yeah, mate, just slap, slap, slap. You're in the VFL. So <laughs> yeah. So what I'm hearing, Brendan, is that um, Paul Cronin is the, I guess, the father of Brisbane football. Is he given the credit that he deserves with the club? I know there's the, the merit, think... the merit medal. So you talk about Roger Merritt. I know he's part of the he's the best and fairest medals named after him and Kevin Murray. Yeah. But does Paul Cronin get the credit he deserves? <laughs> I don't think he gets a credit at all. And I think I'm going to say this off the record and on the record that (laughs) the Chris Gase deserves a lot of praise as well. I mean, I guess him pumping in money to Cronin's consortium from Quintex, I mean, he he pumped in all the money to get the the club moving about in Carrara and probably we'll discuss a bit later about why they didn't go to Brizzy first. But, you know... For a guy that's very much maligned, Chris Gase, if he hadn't have put all that money in and joined Cronin after he got the consortium through in September, October 1986, there wouldn't be any Brisbane Bears. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, you know, you just mentioned Bondi too, like two guys who, you know, have a much very, very, very <laughs> checkered history, but 83, you know, um, America's Cup and, and the Brisbane Bears, they've left left yeah. behind a couple of good things as well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> They certainly did. Yeah. 
So can you tell us then a, a bit about the identity? So we, we got the license handed, I think it was October, and then December 3rd, there was a there was a big press conference call and the, the name and the colours were announced. Why the Bears? Well, I think Paul Cronin said in an interview at the time, you may have seen it there, that they, they wanted an animal uh, yeah. of Australian domicile. So I guess calling a club the Koalas... Wouldn't be great. You yeah. can't say if you're in the cheer squad, go the koalas, go the koalas. Yeah, I guess bears was the kind of closest thing, even though yeah. bears, you probably, I know North Sydney bears were in the NRL yeah. and the bears and uh, is more a, a logo for US football and basketball and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. But yeah, they're actually a koala there. So <laughs> branded as the bears. So as I said, you know, it is what it is. They had to find sort of a moniker for the uh, for the Brisbane side, and and bears it was about a koala, which was an, a you know a, an animal there marsupial that's only in Australia. So, oh yeah, I mean we already had the kangaroos, didn't we? And, and bears sounds a bit better than the emus for sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the or the quokkas or something. Yeah, like it's that. not quite <laughs> the same. Yeah, I'm just I, I, we've I've got the press release here from that day, and it talks about. You know, the uh, yeah. Kenny the koala from Dreamworld and the Lone Pine koalas welcomed the Brisbane Bears as a, as another another koala bear. Yeah, there you go. You got to start yeah. off from somewhere, I guess. And that the alliteration of being the Brisbane Bears as well. You know, the yeah. double B. I like that. It's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and the the Guernsey changed from year to year in the, the starting years, and we've, as I said, we've got um an original Brisbane Bears jumper that that Paul Cronin's daughter Juliana, who was actually on the video where Bear is born, she's toasting a champagne glass to with her sister and her father and and, and mother there as well. And, um, you know, she's given us Mark Mickens jumper from the first game oh, that nice. they played against Fitzroy in round four, 1987, when my side knocked off the Bears at Carrara there or the Corrales. So, um, yeah, yeah it, it's a great jumper. And I love that jumper. It's, oh. a great, it's a great jumper. It's very cool. There's a little koala in between one of the yeah, bees. Yeah, very subtle. There, so very yeah. subtle. Definitely. Yeah, very, very 80s as well. Very 80s. And oh, and you wow. know what? It comes back to haunt us or, <laughs> you know, to um, to help us there when we have um, uh, the rounds where they wear the old football jumpers there as well. So it has come, come into vogue a couple of times in the last 10 to 15 years in retro round as well. It yeah. looks quite good. And, yeah. and I actually noticed the uh, the AFLW Brisbane team wore, I think, the 89 colours on the weekend against Adelaide. They, they certainly did and got over line by two points, which is a pretty good result there. Yeah, so, very good result. And Stasevich is uh, signed for another two years, so I reckon uh, he's a life yeah. member already, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's a little thing I guess they've done to honour the Bears, but there's, there's not many things. I might circle back to that later on. Um, can you tell us what, what were the big struggles in setting up the club? Well, I guess starting off the Brisbane Bears, ground was a problem. I think uh, Cronin did try to get Boondall, uh, me being an ex-Brizzy boy. I mean, I spent five years in Brizzy in the 90s and the 2000s, and they tried to get Boondall up and running. Um, but I guess they they felt backlash from the from the Queensland government there that they – 
try to get old enough they tried to get in the gabba but that was one of the biggest hurdles getting a ground and yeah you know within six months to go or five months ago they didn't have a, a ground to play on yeah yeah you're appearing in the vfl in 1987 in three or four months time and you haven't got a ground so yeah i think that was one of the problems also the list where do you get your players from yeah. which clubs are going to give up three players and which three players they are so for a club coming into the VFL, you've got no, you know, home ground. And, you know, Carrara, you'll probably discuss that a bit better. Two yeah. main reasons were no infrastructure, no ground, and no players. So they're yeah. three pretty big things if you're starting off a new VFL franchise. And it's amazing to think, you know, that those were in the days where the, the VFL really didn't have the money and the wherewithal that they do now. And those, I mean, clubs are still talking about, you know, the expansion clubs are still talking about the fact that those are the str- the issues that they struggle with. But we're talking about a billion-dollar industry now as compared to what it was then. So you can only imagine what they were facing. Yeah, look, the Tasmanian Consortium, whether that gets in or not, and the pair when they came in replacing my Fitzroy in 97, and also the Gold Coast Suns and the GWS Giants, their, yeah. their problems would be a minuscule of what, the Brisbane Bears were because yeah, exactly. you look at the West Coast, at least they had the waffle to gain their place from, and they were pretty well competitive from day yeah, one. Where did Queensland yeah. go? You know, yeah, yeah, you there, know? there was no academy in Brisbane in 87. Oh, yeah. no. Academy, gosh, there was nothing, <laughs> you know, six months to go, no ground, no players, and, and no infrastructure. Uh, there you go. Was you know, your GWS and your Gold Coast Suns come in, everything's pretty well. Mapped yeah. out and GWS are power, but obviously the Suns are still struggling there after quite a few rebuilds. But yeah, Brisbane were at the middle of the Atlantic Ocean on a on a pontoon, and yeah. their name was Wilson. And Tom Hanks is saying Wilson. <laughs> That's what the Brisbane was in '87. People just say the bad news bears. They were yeah. shocking, but my gosh, they got no support. No, yeah. no, and, and yeah, as you were saying earlier, you know, there was there was this push for other other clubs to help out, but they sort of, I mean, they did and they didn't really, didn't they? Like it was, it was that. Yeah, I, the articles you were saying one of the guys that one of the clubs handed over was living in England at the time that they yeah. handed him across. Yeah, well, that's a bit of a, a continent change, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're a if you're an AFL club. What's going to give you the instinct to give them two or three good players? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. It's all self-preservation when you get down to of it. Course. But they, yeah, they really got, you know, I wouldn't say champions. It, you know, it wasn't until the following year when Roger Merrick came across from Essendon, and a couple of years later, Scott McIver came from Fitzroy. And but you know, they did have a pretty good nucleus of players with, you know, your Brad Hardy and your your Warwick Cappers, Mike and, Williams, and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah so you had. Decent players coming in, but not enough of them. Yeah. yeah, and probably not enough younger players to to fill the bottom end. Because I mean, you look at the first season; it actually wasn't that bad comparatively. Yeah, well, but they, they won the first two games. Yeah, so. exactly. But you know, and you look you know, at you've got sub- a- I was going to say subsequent years they kind of fell apart a bit. But that first year, I think, was a massive success if you look at it as a whole, and and all the conditions you said they had to put up with. Yeah, definitely there, where Crow can be taken apart in four or five hours with the temporary stands and, um, yeah. you know, porter boxes there for their club rooms and all that sort of stuff. You're right, they they did get a lot of ageing champions, or not champions, like Malcolm McCarthy, 
from Hawthorne and but they you know they did get a sprinkling of very very good players but back in those days clubs weren't thinking of youth and the future there they were just trying to win games so yeah, yeah it was very very difficult very very difficult so obviously they played games at Carrara on the Gold Coast not Brisbane that was because they couldn't find another ground was that the main reason I reckon the main two main or one main reason was it suited Chris Gase because yeah. Chris Gase, the majority of his um, business ventures were in, in uh, on the Gold Coast. So mm-hmm. I think he was quite happy for Brisbane not to go into um, Brisbane, Brisbane City itself. Not that yeah. they had a grand anyway, but it kind of suited uh, Chris Gase there to be based on the Gold Coast there. Lots well, of yeah, sun. he had the hotel, didn't he? He certainly did. Yeah. So, and he had other business interests in and ventures in the Gold Coast. So, it kind of suited him, yeah. Possibly, um, and then my lack of options. You know, where are we going? Queensland not really interested in getting us into the Gabba. Queensland didn't have any other major sporting venues. Yeah, you know, and Carrara pops up, and you know, Chris goes, "Oh, that sounds all right," you know, and stuff like that. And I just think they ran out of options, and they had to quickly choose somewhere. And as I said, not not the thing you want to to take into account of there when you're starting off. You, you haven't got a ground, so yeah. yeah. How so? In terms of in terms of Scacey, how involved apart from the, the that big ticket stuff? How involved was he in like the decision making within the the say the football operations of the club, or not really? He was just the 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 money behind the scenes. I reckon he was the money behind the scenes. I think he only really got involved when. There were four or five players or six players that um, the CEO and the the side of the club said couldn't be dropped, like your Warwick Cappers, your Brad Hardys, your Choco mm-hmm. Williams, and so forth. There's a couple of others saying that they couldn't be dropped. And Peter Knights is in a situation where he's going, well, hold on. These guys might be playing really badly at the moment. There, they sometimes have got to be dropped to find form in the coffle. Yep. And I think that's where Chris Gase got involved. Peter Knights had apparently spoken to Chris and said, look, Chris, this is a situation. We we can't have six or seven players, you know, undroppable. Yeah. And, you know, according to all the information that I've read and seen, Chris are actually um, agreed to that. And, and Peter Knights actually dropped a few of the players there back to the quaffle. And he later said on the front bar a few I think it was this year or last year, that it cost him his job in the long run. So I don't think Chris Ghost got involved too much. He was just the money injection. And that yeah. was, you know, I've got Channel 7 in my back pocket. I've got hotels yeah. and I've got an like, AFL club or VFL club as well. I guess like that, that um by by having him there backing Knights, it gave, it gave, put the power back in Knights' hands to over these guys who were like, we can kind of get away with, whatever, it, it sort of turned it back into a, pr- a proper football club for him. He was able to coach them like he would have if he was at home. Yes, yeah, certainly. I think, um, yeah, as you said, Scase brought in the cash. Cronin had the passion. And I guess you've got Ken Murphy from the QAFL who also joined forces to get Cronin's consortium up in um, in 86. Yeah. So you had, you know, you wouldn't say you've got football people at the heart of the club. Scase was a and I guess Chris did actually um, partly, well, he did agree with Knighty and say, well, look, okay, I do understand you've got to drop players even if, you know, they've had fantastic careers at other clubs. He's kind yeah. of, with him agreeing with Knighty, he's kind of saying, well, it's a step towards professionalism. We can't have a club with a coach saying you can't drop these players. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 Um, 
And so was the name, the, was the Brisbane Bears, were they called the Brisbane Bears when they still didn't have a home ground? Like, is that is that why they weren't called the, the Gold Coast Bears, basically? Like, because after playing at it, that it was decided that they were going to be the Brisbane Bears even when they didn't have somewhere to be. Yeah, I think the key is they really wanted Boondall, um, which is an entertainment facility. Oh, it's not too far from the, the Gateway Bridge out of town. So they really thought they were going to be based in, in uh, Brisbane, hence yep. the Brisbane Bears. So I guess luckily they didn't choose the Gold Coast Bears because of the Gold yeah. Coast Suns coming in many yeah, years yeah. later. So they always wanted to – I think they always wanted to be based in Brisbane, Brisbane but yeah. with – with Scacy putting in all the, the cash and the loot there, they yeah. eventually well, Scace, settled on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Scase wasn't there to start with either. He came in on board later on, I think, after Paul Cronin had won that license. So he wasn't part Spot of the original, original thing. Yeah. yeah. So they they've they've been like, No, we are we are gonna be the Brisbane team and then uh, yep. in the ensuing six months realized there was nowhere for them to be in Brisbane. Right. There's no ground. So it was over <laughs> yeah. there. So um so what was the indeed. What was the process to pick the coach? Yeah. Well, I just wrote down some notes and some information. I think actually Ron Barassi was interviewed for the job. Um, so I think Robert Walls as well, I read. There's another one. And Wolsey as well, yep. Yeah. Or, or maybe, maybe it was Parkin. Actually, no, it was, it was David Parkin who was at Fitzroy at the time and didn't want to leave. Yeah, because Fitzroy, I think if Fitzroy did agree, um, there was a a meeting at the Wesley College on St Kilda Road tennis courts and all the club, all the Fitzroy guys voted to uh, go to Brisbane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know what we were going to call, whether it be called Fitzroy Football Club in, in Brisbane there. But, yeah, um, I think Ron Barassi, and you're right there, um, David Parkin was going to be the appointed coach. And also, um, just looking at some notes here, yeah, Ron Barassi was – so some pretty big names in there. And – um. I guess Knights' last game was the 85 Reserves Grand Final because he missed out on selection in the Grand Final with Hawthorne. So, yeah. you know, blonde-looking guy, um, champion of the game. Yeah. Probably already got a suntan. He doesn't have to move to the Gold Coast. So <laughs> probably put him to build. Yeah, and back, and back in the days where you didn't have to have experience as an assistant or anything, you could just go straight from the game, straight from a player exactly. to a coach. That was the right norm, now. right? Yeah. Yeah, and that and that's where you know Michael Voss came aboard in two thousand nine at the Lions. There, no experience, and came in when Lethal ended his uh, long tenure at the Lions. So yeah, but now a bit more long process. And even look at nineteen ninety five with Fitzroy with Bernie Quinlan coming in, yeah. favoured son, club on its knees, and yeah. wanting to get a, a, a ch club champion to coach them, even though he hasn't coached anyone, just to keep the membership base. Nice and stable, yeah. and people connected to the footy club. So, yeah, yeah they found out that at night he was their man, and he, you know, stood stood thick and fast there for the Bears for two and a half years under extreme pressure. So, yeah. people don't understand the pressure that he was under there at, oh, to yeah. start up an expansion club. Yeah, and there's, yeah. And, and like Paul Cronin, he probably doesn't get the credit he deserves either. Nazi certainly doesn't. I mean, yeah. you know, we look, we always look to the present and how the lines are going now. But, you know, the Bears really started to become a power, yeah. I believe, in 1991 when Scott Clayton and Robert Walls came into the club. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with their, their footy people that come from Melbourne or Clates come from Tasmania. But what they did was they brought that footy Melbourne element into it, not saying 
us in Melbourne here are the only people that know about footy. We think we <laughs> yeah. do, and, yeah. and we do. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was over that four or five-year period that culminated in a, a Brisbane Bears first final appearance in 1995. And you got six or seven or eight of those players, like your Vossies, your Ackermanis, your Sean Hartz, your Daryl White, Craig McRae's, were all triple premiership players eight years later. So yeah. they, they got it right at the end. But, yeah, to me, Cronin and, and Skase and uh, even also uh, Peter Knights here are, are certainly overlooked. Yeah, and interesting, Mark Micken was the first captain, which was an interesting choice considering you had, I think it was it Jim Edmund and Mark Choco-Williams on the list as well, who had been club captains previous. Um, any yeah. idea why they made that choice? Well, he had a pretty good career in Adelaide. That That's something that's probably stumped me, I guess. Um, yeah. Maybe his people and interpersonal skills were pretty good. And I guess he later went to the Crows um, yeah. a bit further, a few years on, so... Maybe the mm-hmm. Brisbane Bears hierarchy thought that, you know, obviously they would have had um, interviews for who was going to be the first captain. But you're right, you, you Jock William, Jock um, Edmund from Footscray, and you know you had uh, Choco Williams from Collingwood. There, you had a, a lot of future stars. Maybe the Bears thought that he was the best fit for the club. Yeah, that the one that can speak to the players and get them all united. I'd say. Yeah, and he had yeah, he was he was an unknown element, I guess, to the league. Maybe not to Adelaide, but. Maybe going with a different captain as well was a good a good move. Well, they were all unknown in '87. The Brisbane Bears, their ground and their captain, so <laughs> yeah. it's a fresh start. So yeah. maybe that's why they didn't go for an Edmund or a yeah or a um a Williams. There, they just not wanted to start a fresh. Yeah. yeah, not trying to recreate something that already existed in Melbourne, but be it it's completely own entity. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, tough times for the Bears then, but yeah. <laughs> But as you as you said, you know, you can look back at that by by creating that new thing and not trying to start something else. You know, they, they have created a history that that now this you know even in the early thousands just kept on reaping the rewards of those those tough times. And you're right, and that's that's the legacy that that Crane and, and his gang left because they didn't have a, a side from Melbourne that they just planted in Brisbane. Mm. Who knows what that what that protege. Jay would look like now. I mean, you know, with all the three listed players from all the 11 or 12 clubs going there, maybe that was, you know, that we look back on it now and say, well, okay, what a huge sort of thing that was. They, they didn't just plant aside from Melbourne to, to Brizzy there. It's just plonked all these, I wouldn't say misfits from other clubs, but all these guys that other clubs didn't want to mm. aside. And, you know, that's, that's the culture of Queensland football. We didn't have a Fitzroy or Richmond or North Melbourne that were suddenly called whatever they were going to be called. It's it's strictly Queensland, even though most of the players come from Melbourne clubs. Yeah. Everything it's was new. new in 87. Do you think more needs to be done to remember the Bears? Because, I mean, it's, yes, you merge with Fitzroy, and I feel like do, they do a very good job of remembering Fitzroy, but I feel yeah. like Brisbane Bears doesn't really get much of a look in these days. Look, it doesn't, and that's one of my key drivers at our museum. Um, I'm, so I lived in Brizzy from right in the middle of the merge between 93 and 99. So I lived in Brizzy from 93 to 99. So I feel like there's a bit of, and my father's a Queenslander as well, so I feel there's a bit of bear in me as well, or koala. Yeah. Because <laughs> I spent 93 to 99 in 2003 and 2008 in Brizzy. So, you know, even though I 
went to Brizzy in 93, that's when they started the Gabba and that's when their performances got better then. That's part of my role here at our museum, that people want to come in. Yeah, 99% of people want to come in and see Fitzroy memorabilia and that's great, but I want people to see Brisbane Bears uh, memorabilia and we've sent stuff up to Brisbane at their uh, at their training facility in Springfield in Ipswich. So they've got a huge presence up there with the memorabilia that we've sent them down and I'm always on the hunt for brand new Brisbane Bears stuff to put in their museum and Juliana Cronin, which is Paul Cronin's daughter, who only lives half an hour from me, just give me some magical stuff there and I'm quite happy for us to put that in your museum so that Brisbane Bears can be uh, remembered for all time's sake, definitely. So, no, so, it's yeah, it's an interesting conversation. Obviously, you know, the it's not, um they don't have the same amount of history, those two clubs. It's not a, it's not never going to be balanced. You're always going to get so much more from Fitzroy because they had a hundred, you know, a hundred years as compared to 10. But um, it, could it also be, and I was just saying this to Tim while we were, were resetting, like it, it feels more like the Brisbane Bears, even though they're no longer the Bears, it's still, they're still the same club. They just amalgamated the Lions into them rather than, meeting in the in the middle like it's Fitz, Fitzroy's kind of dominant not no longer Fitzroy's gone okay and they've been pulled they've been pulled into the Bears whereas the Bears yes. as the as the Brisbane club are still alive they just changed their mascot do you know what does that make that. sense what I I'm agree saying with 100%, I agree with 100% what you said yeah. Brisbane Lions are the Brisbane Bears rebranded. Yeah. And you've got that Fitzroy element. Um, not with the jump or what with the jump or with the Lions, because they did change from the Bears or Koalas to the mm. Fitzroy football club. So without Fitzroy, there wouldn't be a lion. But yeah, you're right there. The Brisbane Bears were rebranded as a as a Brisbane Lions there. So um yeah, it's the same list, even though Brisbane Lions got Eight plays from Fitzroy at the end of 1996. It's essentially yeah. a Brisbane side. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's a different, it's a, they don't have to be remembered in the same way because they still exist. You know, like, yeah, it's that. Exactly right. It's that kind of romantic thing that I'm really happy that you've done this podcast about 87 Brisbane Bears. It's that romantic thing that, you know, there are people that, did follow the Brisbane Bears that are really, really unhappy with becoming Lions. Yeah. And, you know, and there are a lot of Fitzroy people that aren't happy, you know, being part of the Brisbane Bears, Brisbane Lions. So mm. you're right there. It's that 10-year history. And I think it's more romanticism for me because the club started off with nothing. Whereas yeah. your West Coast Eagles got a lead-in with the Waffle and your Gold Coast Suns and your GWS and Tasmania are pretty well looked after with – draft concessions and and when people say bad news bears i get a bit the hair on the back of my hand stands up a little bit because, <laughs> you know, what what do you expect with yeah yeah know, not a lot of support given to them so well, it, it really was the wild west wasn't it it was just you know get thrown in the deep end and see if you swim yep and you know 87 to 2023 24 they're still around and uh, they've had some hard times definitely in the the eighties and nineties there, but they've yeah they've rose into beer power and that's that's fantastic for Queensland. That's also spawned the spawned the um spawned the uh, Gold Coast Suns there as well. So who'd have thought yeah. in mid nineteen eighty six that have two VFL sides, AFL sides in uh in the AFL competition that 
pipe dream back in the mid eighties. Yeah. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Yeah. So Charlie and I have been doing this podcast since we we started the eighteen ninety seven season, and there's so many great books on the history of all the other clubs, but. Brisbane Bears don't have one. There was there was a stage there a few years ago. We actually put a submission in to try to write one for the Brisbane Bears. We, we felt they need one. People need to know the history of it. We were told there's no market there for for that story. But I think it needs to be told. Definitely, I think there was a a small paperback book that was brought out, or oh, it would have been maybe over twenty years ago. It was like a paperback book there, and it was an O'Day to the to the Brisbane Bears before they came to Brisbane. So there is a small publication out there circling. I think I've got it somewhere in my archives at home there. But you're right there. That would make fantastic. And, you know, Fitzroy has been five or six books yeah. written on the demise of the Fitzroy great ones, Football yeah. Club and zero for Brisbane. So there's yeah. definitely a market. And especially while all the players are still around. All the players are definitely. still there. Stories. And that was great because we did send a lot of memorabilia up to Springfield when they when Brisbane Lions played Geelong in a preseason game early this year. And uh, on the night, uh, I think you had Mark Williams, Choco was there, and Michael Voss and a lot of other Foundation Brisbane Bears were there in 87 and that night game early this year. And they just looked at the cabinet and gone, wow, and, you know, all that <laughs> stuff from... 87 and, and 90s that we gave them for their cabinets. It's just all those guys were just – and then they all get together as a group. Yeah. And you see them wearing their old Brisbane Bears. Um, I think uh, Choco Williams has got an old cardigan, which, oh, oh gosh, there, <laughs> you wouldn't wear it now, but at the time, <laughs> it's fantastic. So yeah, it looks like a, 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 what do you call it, a dressing gown or a short dressing gown. But <laughs> and that's the stuff we need to celebrate. As we all yeah. get older, we've all got a passion – for clubs and yeah, it was David and Goliath there for Brisbane in '87. It's you just thrown into the Atlantic Ocean with a with shark circling and and just swim if you want to survive. So yeah, right. and they have they've done more than survive. They've absolutely thrived. They have um, there and um, all thanks to you know people will say oh you're you're giving kudos to to Skase there, but without Skase and Cronin and Ken Murphy. The QAFL. I mean, there wouldn't be any Brisbane Bears, this uh, Brisbane Lions nowadays. So they've really done a good job in getting a foothold into the VFL back in those days. And you know, it, we all got to come from somewhere, and uh, that's where Brisbane Bears came from. Yeah, yeah. There's a few others here we should probably mention. Mark McClure was the assistant coach. Jim Sewell yep. was there. Uh, Shane O'Sullivan was also quite a big player, wasn't he? Yeah, and that's great. You, Jim Sewell came from Footscray, came off a reserves grand final win under Rod Austin at Footscray, and you had Mark McClure, who was actually captain of Carlton in 1986, moved to be um, Peter Knight's assistant coach in 87, Shane O'Sullivan, a, a former Queensland Rover there in, in AFL. So you had some really good footy people that went up there and, and helped Knightsy there. So I guess tough times at Carrara, Round one, 1987, and they didn't play to Carrara till round four. The first three games they played away, which is unbelievable. But yeah. you're right, your McClure and your Sewell and your O'Sullivan's going up to our Peter Knights yeah. kept a little bit of stability in the club because you've got football people there. So, yeah, that was a good get to get those guys and, up and there, there's, definitely. There's definitely something 
I can see the want to etch your name into the history of that sort of stuff as well, to have your name attached to the beginnings this, of yeah. this club. Definitely. And Mark McClure has said so many times on Open Mic and a few other shows that it was a fantastic experience for him. See, he could have possibly gone on the Carlton board in 87, the year he retired in 86. But he said, you know what? It's a new club. I'm going to get up there, roll my my hands up. And he said it's the best thing, one of the best things he ever done. Going to a new club with, you know, primitive um, Carrara would be packed up in three or four days or even (laughs) less than that. So he's he's done well to just go, well, okay. Shane Sullivan, Shane O'Sullivan, a great right-hand man for... um, for uh, Nazi there as well. So, yeah, they, you know, in the annals and sense of time, you look at, oh, yeah, bad news bears. They took a long time to get to O1, but it's those people there that have got to be fated there because they started a club from, you know, virtually four or five months, bang, you're in the VFL in 87. So it's just, yeah. so people don't understand that. They they see the success at the end. Yeah, and they don't see where you start. You've got to start off from somewhere, and and those people have to be faded. And to write a book about that would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, maybe we should be really interesting. <laughs> uh, I think so, you got like yeah. someone like um, Choco Williams, who was at the Bears when they started, the Power when they started, and GWS when they started. So he he did it three times, <laughs> which is insane. Yeah, definitely right. You know, comfortable at Collingwood '87, Brisbane Bear in '87. You know, and and started off with the power as well, GWS. So, yeah, a, a guy that just loves going to a, a new club and and sinking his teeth in. So, and people, you know, the average footy supporter won't remember that that he's, you know, he's gone into an unknown in in three clubs there. I mean, I guess Port Power was a little bit easier and and GWS with the the money and the draft concessions, but yeah. like, to go to Brisbane in '87, that was a yeah. huge thing and. You know, he's smiling on the day with, you know, Brad Hardy and all the other guys saying, I'm, yeah. mate, where do I sign? I'm I'm here. I'm going to be part of history. And he was. He was a great yeah. Brisbane Bears player yeah. for three or four years. So, yeah. yeah. Very nice. Um, well, well, thank you for your time, Brendan. Do you, is, do you want to plug oh, the, uh, the museum a little bit more? Yeah. So is, o- is it open museum. at the moment? Is it open over summer? Well, it is. Uh, what people can do is they can go into my Facebook page there, Fitzroy Brisbane Lions Historical Society. We've got an inbox, and I only yeah. live a uh, only work a Michael Voss torpedo pun away from Marvel Stadium in Docklands. So yeah. people can just pop me in the inbox there, and uh, I'll just come into work that day and show them around at lunchtime oh, or before work or after work. So they get a personal tour, and uh, when they walk in those doors, they just look at it and go, "What?" Uh, where where do I start looking? And uh, yeah, yeah, it's really great that you know only a little section, probably about ten yeah. percent of it's Brisbane Bears, Brisbane Lions. So there's plenty of Bears memorabilia there, and and Brisbane Lions memorabilia there for you know for expat Queenslanders that that don't follow the Brisbane Lions. So you may have lived up in the Gold Coast like a lot of expat Melbourne people did and, and want to see some Brisbane Bears muse- um, uh, memorabilia in their museum, they can certainly come in there. So it's it's a fantastic space there. And we, yeah, we all like to embrace the future and, and love the the present there, but it's uh, what you're doing is great. You're going back into the past and everything's, got a metamorphosis and um you got to start from somewhere and um yeah it's been a big big thing that's what we always say is it anything that's happening in the present is just made that much sweeter by understanding where it's actually come from 
and that's most the, definitely. Yeah, and yeah. that's the key. But we, you can, I mean, you can hear your passion for for the clubs, you know, by the way you're talking about them. And it, I definitely want to. I'm, I'm going to message you about a time to come down <laughs> for sure. Definitely, even though I'm, I'm a Melbourneian, spent ninety five percent of my. Uh, I just lived in Brisbane for five years in the 1990s. And from 93 to 99, I lived in Brizzy. And even though it was a dinky dive Fitzroy support, I didn't miss a Gabba game. I was just yeah. so enthralled by your Nathan Buckleys and your Vossies and all those premiership players. You knew something was brewing because they were getting better every week, every year. And, you know, eight eight years later, they've won their third premiership. So, Incredible. and the Gabba just. An amazing place now, and it's obviously it's going to be rebuilt for the uh, for the Brizzy Olympics. But to yeah. see what the Gabba was like in 1993 with the dog track, to watch, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's yeah, it's like a, a a bush footy ground compared to what Carrara is there. It's just a, a different place there, and they're yeah, still amazing. around. And that's credit to all the guys that started up the club, definitely. Yeah, amazing. Not a problem. Awesome. Thank you so much. But yeah, no, thank, yeah, thank you so much for your time. It's been a, it's been an absolute right. pleasure having a chat. No worries. And good luck for the rest of your podcast. And you're doing a great thing. Um, oh, it's obviously, good. 87. Yeah. Can we, uh, we, maybe we talk to you again about the merger when we get to 96, 97? Yeah, absolutely. That would be fantastic because I was living in Brisbane at the time, right yeah. back in 1996. So, yeah, I definitely can give you my view. It wouldn't be the view of everyone else there, but yeah, you can certainly connect up with maybe, me, not a problem. A, or maybe we go into the museum and we do it at the museum. What an amazing time. That like, would be even as a, better. Yeah, as yeah. a Fitzroy supporter living in Brisbane when they merge, like what, that's in, just incredible time. Like, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I, I, I jumped on board straight away. Yeah. And the reason why I jumped on the board straight away is A, because I was living there and B, I'm a realist. I don't like to blame Noel Gordon and what he said and stuff like that. Look, you either support me or you don't. Fitzroy, for me, is my life. Not yeah. 1966 to 1996, those 30 years, Fitzroy was struggling to the line every year, yeah. running on the smell of an oily rag, and we just hung on for as long as we could. And yeah. I was quite happy to, to um, you know, a lot of people didn't. Um, and that's that's fine. They may have supported other clubs or they've lost interest in Aussie rules there, but I never did. And yeah. it would be just my recollections of living in Brisbane at the time and, and quite happy for that to happen. Yeah. Still, having said that, I'd love Fitzroy to be around in their own entity today, but, you know, you can't rewrite history. And, um, you know, it's okay. a dream and it just happened that way there. So. You know, whether it's good or bad or indifferent there, it, it happened and you either embrace it or you don't. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. That's it. It's, it's the best way to look at it. You can't do anything to change it. So you've got to embrace it, don't you? That's right. And thanks yeah. for your time today. Really. No, happy. thank you. No, yeah, no, it's been. 1987 a... was fantastic there. Uh, as you said, a great period for the VFL with the Bears and um, uh, Eagles coming in. And it's just, yeah, well yeah. done. And, yeah, if you need me in the future, not a problem. And uh, right. yeah, we can definitely do the merge there in the museum. It'll be a fantastic backdrop Excellent. to your um to your podcast. That'd be great. Cheers, mate. Thanks so much, and have a great night. You too, Tim and Charlie, and all the best there. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. What a lovely chat that was, Charlie. It was fantastic, wasn't it? I think a really interesting part of that conversation is like 
where's the uh, where's the time spent on the bears? Yeah, and I think that conversation we had with Brendan about the fact that the bear the 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 Brisbane bears are still an entity; they've just turned into the lions, whereas Fitzroy has is gone is is a really interesting sort of way of looking at it yeah yet we celebrate the history of the lions Mm. not the bears no because yeah and i think and i think more does need to be done to celebrate the history of the bears because the bears don't exist but the brisbane team exists yes they've just changed their name yes so it's sort of a continue brisbane bears are a continuation sorry the brisbane lions are a continuation of the brisbane bears whereas the fitzroy lions have sort of stopped yeah they moved a lot further so yeah it was a really interesting chat and really interesting to hear about some of those um uh some of those people who were instrumental in making the club what what it now is who probably don't get the fanfare they deserve Mm. um yeah all right well i want to go through who the players were in the initial squad for Brisbane. Come on. Well, a few th- few things to talk about before we kind of finish up here. Yeah. Um, so, as we know, each club was supposed to give three players and they kind of took the piss there, didn't they? Yep. Um, so, I'll start with... So, Carlton gave off uh, a player called Neil Gargan, who didn't play in 86. Um, and they also... Now, we talked about they gave a player who has, was living in England... Now, I found out the name of this player is Neil Aitken because it's mentioned in Kevin Sheedy's book. Yep. But then if you read about Neil Aitken, it doesn't say anything about him having moved to England. And he, played, okay. he played in the reserves in 86 for Carlton and then he played for like from 87 to 91 for Carlton. Oh. So I don't know where this story about him moving to England came, so it might be the wrong player that okay. she yeah, referred yeah. to yeah. in his book, Stand Your Ground. From Collingwood, we got Cameron O'Brien. He didn't play in 86 either. Gary Shaw, uh, who was a who I believe was a Queensland player anyway, mm-hmm. and Choco Williams. Yeah, well, that's the, that's a big one. And he he came over because of a, a contract negotiations. He wasn't happy with what he got, so he went, he crossed town. Yeah, so crossed crossed the country and uh, joined the, the Bears. You can imagine that wouldn't have um, wouldn't have put Collingwood in a very giving mood for the other two players they had to send away either. No, no. <laughs> um, now Essendon were quite we were quite um, helpful with Brisbane. We gave seven players: Peter Banfield, Frank Dunnell. Brenton Phillips, Jeff Raines, who had only been at Essendon for a season, um, and Michael Richardson, who'd only just come across from Collingwood as well, and Chris Waterson. So quite a number of players. Yeah. And we were really generous and really yeah. really helpful. You felt, felt like you were. it was time to pay back the karma from stealing all North Melbourne's players in 1923, was it? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. yeah. From Fitzroy, we got Bernard Harris, uh, Chris Stacey. From Footscray, we got Brad Hardy, Brownlow medalist from two seasons back after his falling out with coach Mick Malthouse. He didn't actually sign on until later in the year, so just I think just prior to the 87 season starting. The interesting thing is he didn't go to the Eagles. He was Western Australian born. He decided to go to Brisbane instead of West Coast. Very interesting. Yes. uh, We also have Rod McPherson from the Dogs. Then from the Cats, we got Craig Evans, David O'Keefe, and Stephen Reynoldson. From the Hawks, we've got Mick McCarthy, one of my junior coaches as a footballer. Okay. Uh, from the Demons, we've got Dale Dixon, John Fidge, Mark Withers, Daryl Cox. Uh, they also gave a player called Daryl Burke, who didn't end up playing for them either. North Melbourne gave Ricky Nix, uh, Rick Norman, Peter Smith. Richmond gave Phil Walsh, 
who later went on to coach Adelaide. Adelaide, yes. Be involved in a lot of clubs and unfortunately yeah. passed away a few years back. St Kilda gave Mark Buckley, who they'd got across from Carlton anyway. They also gave Robert Mace, who didn't play. Sydney gave Jamie Dersma, whose son now plays with the Bombers. Yeah. Um, Jim Edmund came from Sydney as well. He'd had one. So he, he was a former captain from the Dogs. Yep. We talked a bit about him in the interview, and he had then had a season with the Swans before coming up. Mark the Fridge Roberts as well, later to go on and play with North Melbourne and win a few flags. They're all the players who came from the, the VFL. Then we've got a few players from the Sandville. Yep. So from North Adelaide, we've got Matthew Campbell. From Glenelg, Adam Garten. From Port Adelaide, we've got Ben Harris and Stephen Williams, who's actually Mark Williams' brother. Oh. Yeah. They got to play together. together, yeah. Son of Foss Williams. There you go. So they played a season. From Norwood, we've got Neil Hine. From West Adelaide, Mark Micken, who ended up being the first captain. Uh, From the Waffle, from WA, we've got Ken Judge coming across from East Fremantle. We know he'd been with Hawthorne as well and won some flags. It does, yeah, ama- yeah, amazing. It does sound, it seem interesting that anyone would leave the waffle when West Coast are coming in, also. So, yeah. like, you'd think that 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 would be the place to go if you yeah. wanted to join the VFL. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you got a few Queenslanders who signed as well. So Tony Beckett from the club Maine, Darren Carlson from Southport, Michael Gibson from Cooparoo, who had played some games at Fitzroy, uh, Alan Gifford from Sherwood, Stuart Glascott from Southport, Mark Housley from Kedron. Who didn't play, nor did these players play. We've got Andrew Martin from Windsor, Zilmore, Ross McIver from Wilsburn Grange, and Greg Page. So they were all on the list but didn't play. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of rounds out the, the squad. Amazing to, to think of those names. I mean, you've got some absolute superstars in there. You've got your, as your, your Choco Williams, your Brad Hardy, yep. Jim Edmund, who's pr- probably getting toward the end of oh, his definitely. career at this stage. Yep. But, um, Jeff you Rains. know, no, no draft concessions, no, no. you know, no forced, um, you no know, number one pick in the draft. That's it. No, no, like vet, you know, give every club, give them a great veteran sort of situation going on. It was very much, they were sink or swim. Yeah. The wild, wild west. Like oh yeah. That term was thrown around a few times. Let's just have a quick look. So their first game, and we won't go into it too much because we'll talk about that properly, but, yeah. um, you can usually do the age. So the youngest player playing for Brisbane in their first game was 20 years old. Yeah, okay. But majority of them were at least 24 years or over. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the oldest being Jeff Raines at 30 years old. So yeah, they they were they were stacked with with players that had been around the traps that yeah other clubs had decided weren't working for them. Yep. Cool. Uh, now, I just want to take you through to finish off a few of the practice games they played. Okay. So they played, I think, four practice game, four or five practice games leading up. Just to up. get their eye in. Just to get their light. You know, get a bit of fitness yeah, like you yeah. want to. Yeah. Their first game was against the reigning premiers, Hawthorne. Oh, that's Hawthorne always came good. came up to, to visit them. And I Sorry, I assume by practice match you mean they were playing like play, teams from the Quaffle and stuff like that. No, no just no, to build no. some confidence. No, no, no. No, reigning premiers. Great. Reigning premiers. They took on Hawthorne their very first game as a club. Yeah. They lost Charlie 197 to 58. I mean, not surprising. Right? Yeah. 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 Then the second game, they actually won. They played West, uh, sorry, North Adelaide mm-hmm. in another practice game and won 112 to 72. Okay. Uh, then they played Sydney. and uh, This was part of the VFL Cup. I've got it here, the Night Series. Yep. And that match was won by Sydney um, by 76 points, 146 to 70. They then played Richmond. Richmond beat them 123 to 96. And then they played one final game on March 21st against St Kilda. 
They won. They won by a point, 103 to 102. Okay, so they were, they'd be feeling okay. Yeah. Apart but from that first one. That is the lead-in to their first um, match. Yeah, how exciting. So we've now, got some bears to talk about. We do. I'm very excited. So we can't leave this episode, though, without listening to the Brisbane Bears theme song. Of course not. Dare to beat the bear. So as we sign off here, please enjoy Brisbane Bears theme song. Dare, and their first theme song, they had two. This is the original one called Dare to Beat the Bear. Can't wait. Until, uh, well, until the West Coast special now. Yeah. Hooroo. www.kicktokickpodcast.com You can contact us via email at kicktokickpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram under at kicktokickpod. Thanks so much for listening.